You know, I, I want to thank Kyle for those wonderful songs and for RJ reading and for Bill for his opening prayer. You know, Bill, as you prayed this morning and you prayed that I would have a ready recollection, that's a very common prayer, an opening prayer that a preacher have ready recollection. I just realized the older I get, the more I really appreciate that prayer. Uh, it can be tough. So our text today um, in 2 Corinthians tells us that Paul says that I had this very important lesson that I need to learn from God, that his grace was sufficient. You know, the genesis of this lesson and several lessons was, was really uh, born out of some self-reflection, you know, Many places in the Bible it tells me to be satisfied with God's grace. It tells me to be content. And when I thought about the events of the past couple of years, you know, the pandemic and political upheaval, and uh, I began to realize, you know, I don't think I was quite as content as I should have been. You know, the Bible says I need to be content in all circumstances. I, I didn't find, always find contentment, you know. Uh, I didn't find peace. Uh, and, and many of you, even those, those things upset me and upset many of us, many of you have been through, th through some things in the past couple of years that, that make the pandemic and political problems seem quite small, you know? And uh, that's, that's kind of Paul's experience here in chapter 12 with God. Uh, and yet we're still to find contentment. You know, I look at my life, we, read, we sing these songs about grace. We sing them all the time, and we mean them when we sing them. But I had to ask myself, just how many times have I ever looked at life circumstances when they're bad, and I, and I pray to God, please, please deliver me, please save me. I've never actually sat down and said, you know what? I got grace, and that's all I need. I'm content with that. I don't think I've ever said that to myself. I should have. Uh, his grace is sufficient, and that's what Paul needed to learn. That's what we need to learn to be successful. Three things that Paul had to go through to learn this are three things that, that happened. Number one, in the previous verses, verses seven and eight, uh, God, first of all, placed Paul in a position where he could learn that one fact, that my grace is sufficient. God actually purposely deteriorated his circumstances. Paul calls it a thorn in the flesh. We'll see that it, that was absolutely necessary for Paul to learn what he needed to learn, and that is God's grace is sufficient. And through that, he also uh, realized that this weakness that he calls a weakness, this thorn in the flesh, at first, he thought it was a deterrent to success, but he realized that it was actually a blessing. In fact, it's such a blessing, he says, I, I boast in it because through this weakness, the power of Christ rests on me. See, I didn't need power. I needed Christ's power to accomplish what I needed to accomplish as an apostle. And then number three in verse 10, um, he realized that only in God's grace could he be content in all circumstances. That's what he needed to learn. You know, what is grace? We, the, the, the simple definition is, 
is God's unmerited favor. And we know that grace uh, saves us from our sins, but it does even more than that. Of course, that's the most important thing, but, but it does much more than that. Uh, it brings God's abundance in, into every day, into, into every hour, into every circumstance, into every step we take. Grace not only saves us and heads us to glory in heaven, but, it, but it's with us every day. It's God's will. You know, uh, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. This is the gift of God. It does save us. You know, God could have easily said, and it would still be unmerited favor, you know, I'm going to save you through Christ. You obey the gospel, you're saved. But for the next 40, 50, 60 years of life, I'm just going to leave you alone. In the end, you're going to heaven, but, but, but you're just on your own. Whatever the world does to you, it does to you. Uh, suffer, get old, die. Uh, uh, but my grace is reserved for eternity. But God doesn't say that. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Same book that Paul wrote. Uh, when he said, my grace is sufficient for you, in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, earlier in the book, he writes, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. Um, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That's a promise from God. God says, I'm going to give you my grace that abounds. And it will make you sufficient in all things at all times so that you can create good works. So God places this thorn of the flesh in Paul so he can learn about the sufficiency of grace. That was the lesson Paul really needed. Look in uh, verses uh, 7 and 8. Chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Now I don't know, uh, verse 8, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Now, I don't know what this thorn is. A lot of speculation. People have speculated a lot of things. What was this thorn? I don't know what it was. We don't know for sure what it was. We know that uh, uh, sometimes Paul alluded to his poor eyesight. Some speculate that it was, that it was near blindness. You know, in the Galatians chapter 4, he he mentions to the Galatian Christians this one statement, I know that if you could have gouged your eyes out, you would have given them to me. Maybe that's an illusion to the fact that his eyesight was horrible. I don't know. 
uh, at the end of Galatians in chapter 6, he writes, notice what big letters I am writing to you, that I'm doing the writing. It's very common knowledge that Paul uh, in most of his writings actually scribes wrote them. He would just dictate and they would write these books down, perhaps alluding to this horrible eyesight that he had. Maybe that was the thorn in the flesh. I don't know what it was, but I know this. It was bad enough that it harassed him. And it was bad enough that he pleaded for God to take it away. You know, here this apostle is. He's blessed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then God gives him this incredible knowledge that nobody else got. The knowledge, in part, if you look earlier in chapter 12, was he actually got to see paradise. He got to see heaven. In fact, it was so real, if you read in the chapter, we won't read now, time won't permit, but he couldn't even tell if he was actually there or if he was, it was just a dream. That's how real it was. And he saw paradise. He saw heaven. I looked into heaven. And he said, I'm not allowed to talk about what I saw. Can you imagine having the power to raise the dead and to heal the sick and to speak in tongues and then have a knowledge that nobody else on the face of the earth has? That's what Paul had. How could you not become conceited? And that was God's warning. I I've given you all this stuff but I gotta add something because you might get conceited. I don't think Paul saw it that way. You know what Paul was probably thinking? He was probably thinking a whole lot like I did. Wait a minute, God, you're telling me that you've called me to be an apostle and you want me to evangelize the entire world and you want me to start all these churches and you want me to make them grow and you want to give me all this power and all this knowledge. And then you're going to handcuff me with physical ailments? How is that even going to work? You don't understand, God. I'm ready to go. I mean, I got what I need. I'm going to go out and I'm going to be successful. And God tells him, you know, I gave you all those things, but that's not what you need for success. You need my grace. We need to learn like Paul that even though we may have power and knowledge, we can't accomplish good works for God unless we are powered by grace. Notice the verse we read in chapter 2, verses 9 and 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. How do we abound in every good work? It's through grace. It's through grace. We need knowledge. We need power. But if we don't have God's grace running that stuff, we can't do good works. We cannot be successful. And that's what God told Paul. Slow down a little bit, Paul. I've given you a lot of stuff, but I need to temper it a little bit because without my grace, you cannot be successful. That's true of us. So first of all, Paul viewed this thorn as a hindrance. He couldn't understand how in the world he could be successful with this thorn. Do you have circumstances in your life right now? 
that you think, you know, as soon as I get past this, I'm really going to do good. You ever thought that? You know, I, as soon as God fixes my money problems, I'm going to go to work. As soon as my health is restored, we're going to get this done. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought that maybe God gave that to you as a thorn in the flesh so you could learn this one lesson? That my grace is enough? That you don't need anything else but my grace? And if you have that, then maybe, just maybe, you could become humble enough that I can remove those thorns because we don't need them anymore. We can go to work and do good works. Or maybe he'll say, we'll just keep those thorns because you have my grace. The Great Rebellion. Does everybody know what I'm talking about as a Bible student when I say the Great Rebellion? I'm talking about the Israelites walking in the wilderness. That's how the Bible refers to that. The Great Rebellion. Many rebellions in the Bible, but this one 40-year wilderness trek is called The Rebellion. What does that mean? As supreme. If you look at the Israelites, they're living in Egypt. They're a ragtag mob of slaves, numbering, we don't, some people say a million, two million, who knows. It was a big mob. But they were a mob. They weren't a nation yet. They were slaves. They had no leaders. They've spent a lifetime. Most of them were born slaves. They knew nothing else but slavery. In fact, all of them did. They didn't have any leaders. They didn't have any organization. They were just slaves. They only knew how to follow. And they escaped through the plagues in Moses, the greatest greatest power on earth, Egypt, at that time. How did they do that? Was it not God's grace? And then they come to the Red Sea, and God parts the sea to save them. Was that not God's grace? And on top of that, God took that same sea that he killed, that he uh, uh, delivered them through and then collapsed the sea on the largest army, the most powerful army in the world. Was that not God's grace? And then he took them into the wilderness where there was no water and they were never thirsty. And they took them into the wilderness where there was no food, and they were never hungry. God even told them in the Bible, for 40 years you were walking in the wilderness. Your clothes never wore out. Your sandals never wore out. Your feet never got sore. Has any group of people ever seen the grace of God like that in this physical world? But what did they cry out for? I need more, God. We have your grace, but we need more. What about you and your present circumstances? You find yourself doing that? I know as I reflected on myself through this journey kind of, uh, that sometimes I do that. 
Do I really believe that my life is full of God's grace? Yet it's not enough for me. I, I'm always asking God for a little more. Yeah, I know, God, uh, I have your grace, but I need more money. I, I know I have your grace, and your, your grace lifts me as we sing. And I know this grace. I can serve you and honor you. But I need a little more health. You know, I need to be delivered out of this circumstance. Or there's people that I really care about that are suffering. I need that to stop. Is grace sufficient for you? Uh, why do we need poor circumstances? Why did Paul need this thorn in the flesh? Why did his circumstances need to deteriorate? God tells him there, you need not to be conceited. In other words, you need humility. Look in James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you realize that grace is exactly what you need, it is the all-powerful force in the world toward life to make it good and successful. If you really believe that, and you believe you can only receive grace through humility, wouldn't you welcome anything that made you humble? Amen. We tend to resist everything that humbles us, don't we? I can tell you it's very humbling to lose your income. It is. I've been there. It's very humbling. You know, when, when you go to church um, and everybody goes out to lunch and you don't go because you don't have enough money, it's humbling. There's times when you would like to invite people over to your house for dinner, but you can't because you don't have enough food to feed them. It's humbling. It's humbling to be so sick that you can't take care of yourself anymore and everybody has to take care of you. It is. We've all been there. Um, we need to learn to appreciate those things that bring humility because that humility allows God to pour grace into our lives. Also, poor circumstances remove from us this I can do attitude and it magnifies the God can do attitude that's what we need look at 2nd Corinthians the same book 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 Paul's writing about himself and his cohorts on his missionary journeys He says in verse 8, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Can you, Can you hear the pain in that? We were so utterly, utterly burdened that our strength was gone. We had nothing left in the tank. We were done. 
We despaired for life itself. In, in, in fact, in verse 9, he says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Do you hear that? It's over. This is where God has brought us. We are just going to die. You ever felt like that? There's no way out. I'm out of strength. This is the end. I love that per person too much to lose them. I don't know where I'll be without that job. I don't know where I'll be without my health. I can no longer function. It's over. Look in verse 9 what they learned from all of that. That all happened, the middle of verse 9, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Do you realize that the circumstance you're right in right now, like Paul, you're exactly where God wants you to be? Because he's got this lesson that he needs you to learn? That I'm in charge, not you. That regardless of your circumstances, how poor they are, through my grace, I can accomplish anything I want. You know, he gave Paul the thorn in the flesh. And Paul says, how in the world am I going to do the work of an apostle with this horrible disability you give me? And God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Are we not recipients of the incredible body of work that Paul did? 2,000 years later, Paul would have never dreamed this would happen. What do you think was in mind, Paul's mind when God told him to spread the gospel throughout the world? He was thinking about his present time. He was thinking about his present world, the world he could reach. He never thought for a moment that 2,000 years later, Christians living in Hoover would be reading his words, getting saved, getting comfort and encouragement. How could he have ever known that? And he did that in horrible circumstances with a thorn in his flesh when he thought, I can't be successful with this, God, take it away. And God says, you have no idea where we're going, Paul. You have no idea of the power of my grace. You don't understand what I'm fixing to do through you if you will lean on my grace. And maybe you're in those circumstances right now. We're very tunnel vision. I only care about tomorrow. I want health tomorrow. I want money for tomorrow. And God says, you know what? I've got work for you to do that you can't even imagine. And you can do it right from where you're at because my grace is sufficient for you. Like Paul, we need to learn to let grace reign in our life, not our circumstances. Look at Romans chapter 5, another writing of Paul. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if because of one man's trespasses, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus.
I know some of you now are, are grieving, and you should be. We are to grieve when we lose uh, loved ones. In fact, even when we don't lose, uh, lose loved ones, we're to grieve with the people that are grieving. It's a very godly thing to do. God expects us to grieve. The thing is, you can't let grief reign your life. Grace needs to reign in your life. You know, we all have problems and we have worries and anxieties. In fact, in chapter 11, the guy that wrote the book in 2 Corinthians in chapter 11, he says, I have anxiety for all the churches. It's a burden on me. It's, it's okay to, to have a little worry and anxiety. Christ expressed that in the garden before he died. He had great fear and anxiety. You just can't let it rule your life. It is God that rules your life through grace. You can't ever forget that. When your problems and your circumstances begin to reign in your life, you're saying, really, your grace isn't sufficient for me. I need more. God calls that rebellion. Another thing that will really make life easier if we truly come to believe that God's grace is sufficient for us. We can begin to take comfort in the fact that God's grace is sufficient for everybody. You know, we all have people in our lives that we really care about. Some of them are suffering a lot. Do you know God's grace is sufficient for them just like it is for you? Some of us have people that we love a lot that aren't even acting right. We're concerned for their souls. God's grace is sufficient for them too. You know, there was a time in my life when I know I was lost, and I knew my mama knew I was lost, and my daddy knew I was lost. God never gave up on me. Why? Because of grace. God doesn't give up on anybody. I want you to know that the people you care about and you worry about, God's grace is sufficient, but there's no way you could ever take comfort in that until you truly come to believe that his grace is sufficient for you. The second thing Paul learned was not to be ashamed of his weaknesses, but to embrace them because the power of Christ through grace is increased. Do you want God to increase in your life? You need to increase your humility. That's what Paul said. And what makes me humble, I celebrate. Because that puts me right where I need to be for the true power of this universe to take control of my life. You want to be strong, you better have God's strength. Because your strength is not going to cut it. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then later in 16, he said, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. He could have easily said, and that's his point, 
Christ is full of grace and truth. Verse 16, from that fullness, we all receive that grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. Do you see the point? There's no end to God's grace. We've all received it. We all have it right now, today. And then because of life circumstances, we start complaining. We start worrying. We start fainting. We start drawing back. That is not confidence in the grace of God at all. I'm afraid I distributed that far too many times. We need to stop. Ephesians 2, 7, he calls the grace immeasurable riches of grace. Also in 2 Corinthians, same book, chapter 4, verse 15, for it is all for your sake that as grace extends to more and more people, it increases thanksgiving to the glory of God. If you're complaining, you know you're not standing in grace, at least you don't have confidence in the grace that God gives you because God says, my grace increases thanksgiving. The last point, God's grace taught Paul contentment in all circumstances. Contentment can never be achieved by good circumstances, but only through grace. We live in a broken world we're talking about in class this morning. We live in a broken world full of broken people who are ensnared by Satan to do his will, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And yet we expect that world to provide circumstances that will make us content. Are you, are you like that? I tend to be like that. Hey, everything's going really good. I'm content. Oh, things just started going really bad. Oh, I'm so discontent. There's no contentment in putting contentment in circumstances of life. God's grace fixes all things. Paul opened and closed most of his letters with the prayer of grace. You ever notice that? Why did Paul do that? I'm telling you, every letter Paul wrote, unless you attribute Hebrews to Paul, every letter that Paul wrote, he begins within the first two or three verses a prayer for grace for the reader. And then in every book he wrote but one, Romans, he ends the book with a prayer for grace. Why is that? Because Paul knew that if he, could pray, if he could pray grace into somebody's life, they would have everything they needed to fix the problems he was writing about in the book that he sent them. Grace, that's all you need. Paul understood that. And grace completely revolutionized the way Paul looked at his circumstances forevermore. Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter two, verse 14. Paul describes his life like this. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession. 
The guy with the thorn in the flesh that was begging God to take it away saw his life different, completely different now. Still with that thorn. I'm on a triumphal procession. We are on a victory march. God has broken out the parade and the ticker tape. What our lives look like to the world is complete disaster. Make no mistake about it, we are on a triumphal procession. You don't want to know what that triumphal procession looked like? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, let's see. Second Corinthians. Chapter 11, verse, begin, let's begin reading in verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. He's making a defense against these guys who he refers to as super apostles. You know, these guys, high-polished, high-powered writing guys, these Pharisees coming in trying to take over. Paul calls them super apostles. Paul's making a defense against them because they're trying to run Paul down. Verse 23 of chapter 11, are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked at night and day. I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, the dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. That's what a triumphal procession looks like in God's grace economy. There is nothing... <laughs> about Paul's life and his circumstances that would have ever suggested success. His life looked like it was on a downward trajectory. Paul learned to see it for what it was, a triumphal procession. I don't know what your life looks like right now, but I know this, I don't care how bad it is, if you truly believe that you have all sufficient grace from God and that you're abounding in it, your life is a triumphal procession. That's what Paul learned. That's what we need to learn. In spite of our circumstances, in spite of our grief, in spite of our pain, in spite of our suffering, in spite of our failures, in spite of a living in a country that doesn't love us anymore, it doesn't matter. Only thing matters is God's grace. Is it truly sufficient for you? 
That's the lesson this morning. I hope you got something out of it. I certainly did uh, uh, through this little journey for my own personal self-growth. We haven't talked about it much, but if you're there today and you're not a Christian, we've talked about grace mostly in a Christian's life. I want you to know that grace is available to everybody. Jesus come and died for every man and woman that ever lived. That would include you. You don't have to be separate and apart from grace of God. It is available. If you will come forward when we sing in a little bit, if you're not sure what you need to do to get in that grace, we will help you learn through study of the Bible. If you know what you need to do, then we can baptize you today. Or perhaps uh, you lived your life and um, you realize this morning that grace hasn't been enough for you and that you become defeated by your circumstances. Um, if you want us to pray for you, we can do that today as well. Whatever your need might be, please come forward as we, Kyle leads us in a song.